0: You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official untapped podcast, your weekly look into what's happening in the untapped community and the world of beer. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim.
1: Drinking Socially is released every Wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com
0: or wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we get into it, let's get something to drink. Today we're cracking open Rolling Blackout by Mumford Brewing. It's a stout, an American stout. Comes in at 7.6 ABV. It is also brewed with coffee and vanilla. That sounds really good. So Mumford is a brewery here in downtown Los Angeles. What district are they in? Do you know? They're over in
1: the toy district, just south of Little Tokyo and west of Arts District. Got it, got it. Okay, could I
0: see the can? Of course. So this is a a a different packaging that I'm used to seeing from Mumford Brewing. Um usually they've got like the they have they have that can that looks like a Supreme logo. Uh, they've got the, the crawlers that, that look really cool. It's like gold kind of on the, on the sides. It's a really cool cam with the flat black going on. Yeah. Kind of, mm-hmm. uh, it's called rolling blackout, I guess. And it, it's it got like this, um, chalkboard mm-hmm. uh, design to, to the front of it. Even on the back, most of the, the writing is in like a, a chalkboard font. It's pretty cool. They list the ABV at 7.6. They've got the Play-Doh number at 21.1. And it listed it as an American stout. Now we should see how it tastes. Yes. I get a lot of vanilla smelling it at first. Lots of vanilla. Very roasted. Yeah, lots of um, kind of dark, smoky, almost like a molasses Okay. to me. Now, see, the thing is, these are flavors unlike anything that I have in my regular uh, drinking habits. Most of the stuff in my fridge are IPAs, double IPAs, pales uh, imperial barrel aged sours that taste like you're just squeezing the wood into the, into the bottle. They are just like way over the top, uh, hopped up beers.
1: I'll be honest. That's part of the reason I picked this up. Yeah. I thought it'd be nice to switch it up being that I can't remember the last time I've had a beard this dark.
0: Well, and we just, we just celebrated the, um, St. Patrick's day. Where the Irish Dry Stout is the quintessential uh, embodiment of that, that whole holiday.
1: This is true. Did not have any leftover Guinness to bring in. It,
0: the, thing, the thing with Stouts and Imperial Stouts and um, mo- honestly most dark and roasty beers, even a black IPA, when I do have that style, they tend to be the highest rated beers that I will put into Untapped. They'll be the ones that, because they are so out of the ordinary, and because I tend to enjoy the differences in flavors, and maybe I don't pick up on the more nuanced characteristics of that style, because I don't have it that often, I tend to just kind of like it for what it is, and and enjoy like, oh man, this, this brown ale really was something completely different, and I have tasted flavors in a beer that i don't usually have
1: that would make sense when you're when you've been having the same thing for a long time and you have something new it kind of stands out a bit more it's very smooth tasty definitely has that roasty coffee thing going on which i know we both appreciate the vanilla kind of offsets a little bit with some sweetness on the aroma Um, i I had this one a while back when they did their first release Mm. Um, this is they've done this a few times um, and i remember it being delicious back then too bad I don't have a can from back then to compare with now, because obviously the whole aging process changes these darker beers quite a bit. Um, but it this this is
0: pretty solid. I think the ironic part is the name for me. Uh, like It makes sense for a stout, an American stout rolling blackout, but we tend to have those here in California or in L.A. when it's super hot outside. Not a beer I'd want to enjoy no, in the super hot. No, absolutely not. It would be... Just it, it would melt. It'd be it would truly be like molasses. Maybe it's supposed to embody the feeling that you have going outside into the California sun in the <laughs> summer.
1: It's too real. It's too close <laughs> to home.
0: It really is.
1: Yeah. Have any of you had this one? Let us know what you thought on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by tagging us at Untapped. Before we dive into community updates, I do need to issue my first correction. Four episodes in, and we're already issuing them. Yep. We need a sound effect right about here. Oh, no. So uh, last week, we did a segment on New England IPAs. Uh, At the end of that, I did mention that it is not an officially recognized beer by the Brewers Association. Of course, as it would happen the day before episode three aired, the Brewers Association decided to officially recognize Juicy or Hazy Pale Ale and Juicy or Hazy India Pale Ale.
0: I find it kind of interesting that they looped both of those together um, and didn't distinguish them as uh, quote like New England style as as we do in the app or um, as like you've got the hazy. And the juicy, or the hazy, or the juicy—they have them both, sort of siloed in the in the same one. I feel like they go hand in hand majority of the time. M- and- majority of the time, yeah. When you're talking about how it's brewed or um, how to judge them, I think which is what BA is supposed to be doing is is thinking about them in the context of competitions and Great American Beer Festival. The, you know, those contexts make sense to me. I do,
1: I do think that uh, leaving out the New England part um, does make sense since it's not only specifically brewed there now. Everybody's taking a stab at it. In the same sense that West Coast IPA isn't necessarily an official uh, category For the brewers association either yeah it makes sense but i am sitting here i am taking it and we are correcting our mistake i guess my mistake i won't put this one on you
0: (laughs) the podcast's mistake let's Uh, put it on the podcast okay there we go
1: the brewers association does say that uh styles are reviewed and revised annually Uh, the guidelines serve as a model resource for brewers beer judges and competition organizers Hundreds of revisions, edits, format changes, and additions were made to this year's guidelines, including updates to existing beer styles and the creation of new categories. The Brewers Association Beer Style Guidelines reflect as much as possible historic significance, authenticity, or a high profile in the current commercial beer market.
0: And this, it doesn't get any more any higher. higher profile than this whole hazy haze craze, if you would, for the this style of beer. So I, I'm... This is exciting. I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm really interested to see like how this translates then into um, how judging is done or how ratings are done um, on the on the like brewery official level. Yeah, I
1: think we can all say that uh, it's about time.
0: All right, let's get into our community updates and some of the more recent additions to the Untapped app. We actually just released last week 3.2.3 on Android and iOS. What are some of the new features that we've included in there?
1: The biggest addition we hope is going to make your check-in process quicker. Uh, It's actually the quick check-in. When you're searching for beers, you can now tap our new options icon. On the pop-up screen that you get when you tap this, you can quickly rate, you can choose the location, and
0: check in all from one place. Now, this is only going to show up for your beer search results. So this is for finding a beer, pressing the new quick options menu, and checking in straight away. There's a big check-in button on the far right-hand corner on the bottom that will just check in your beers right away.
1: Once you've had them checked in, you can then go to that check-in if you want to alter any of the details, You know, add purchase location, tag some friends, put a description or a photo. Um, the idea here is just to make the initial check-in process faster. So if you're, say, at a festival or doing a flight somewhere, you can quickly search for those items, check in from the screen, and then move on to the next one. And then if you feel like it, you can go back later and update anything that you want from there.
0: And I think one of the features that Uh, is complementary to this is a new option inside of settings to keep your location after you check in. So if you turn that on after you check into a beer anywhere inside of the app, either from the search screen or from a list or if you're looking at another friend's profile, after you check in, you'll stay on that page. So you can check in then to another beer straight away from there. I think it's a great feature for folks who like to Check into beers from a list. If you've got a whole list of beers that are available at a festival, let's say, or if you're on a menu at a venue, you can check into a beer and stay straight away on that menu. That's, again, inside of settings. You'll want to turn that on. It's off by default.
1: And in addition, of course, we have some more improvements and fixes. Uh, Be sure to update your app, both uh, iOS and Android, to the latest version to take advantage of all of this. If you hadn't already seen it on our social accounts, we are back to doing our Brewery Madness bracket again this year. That is our alternative to those basketball
0: brackets, unbranded basketball brackets. Yes, <laughs> everyone in March kind of has the uh, their their take on either beer brackets or sports brackets. You know who's their favorite thing of the month, and this is this is ours, obviously based on the whole number of check-ins to that particular brewery.
1: We have the semifinals coming up here on March 31st. That will then start deciding who's going to make it down to the finals.
0: So if you want to take a look at the current standings, you can go to untapped.com slash madness. Take a look at who has won in the past and who is coming up here in the semifinals and finals on April 2nd.
1: As of the current recording, we are waiting for round three to start. Uh, we have some interesting matchups going on here. We're going to have Founders Brewing against Trillium. We're going to have brew dog against Treehouse. Sierra Nevada against Evil Twin, Goose Island against Dogfish Head, and then on the other side here, we have Stone versus Other Half, we have Anheuser-Busch versus Boston Beer Company, we've got Bells Brewery versus Firestone Walker, and then Guinness versus New Belgium.
0: All, I mean, all heavy hitters, these are all folks who have huge amounts of check-ins, and I'm, I, I think the matchups are really good, I'm excited to see who, uh, who makes it through to the end. Our brewery madness bracket is based off of
1: check-ins, so as check-ins occur during the round periods, uh, those check-ins will then count towards the scores of the breweries that will move on. The brewery with the most check-ins during the time frame will move forward to face-off with the next brewery. In addition to our uh, brewery madness, we also have the seven-city tour promotion going on right now. Uh, If you did not catch this in one of our last episodes, uh, Untapped will be hitting the road in April, visiting seven cities in seven days. Our co-founder Greg Avola will be hosting a party at the verified venue with the most check-ins in each of the seven cities with the most check-ins. A little confusing there, but the idea is the verified venue with the most check-ins in a city that is in our top seven with the most check-ins will get an official party. If you want your city to be in the running here, you've got to check in at your favorite verified venue. Make sure that it has that little yellow check mark in the untapped app. And be sure to also set your location when you check in to those beers at that venue. The contest ends March 31st. So as of then, whichever uh, seven cities are in the top there, they will get that visit. We'll see. Current standings are uh, New York City is at the top. We've got number two is Tampa. Uh, Number three, Chicago. Number four, close enough to your hometown, Anaheim. Five, we've got Cincinnati. Six, we've got Charlotte. And rounding out, we've got uh, Portland in number seven with uh, San Diego in number eight not too far behind. So we'll see. We've got a little longer here on this. I wonder where
0: Greg's going to be going. He's going to be paying me a visit, I believe. I think that's how that's going to (laughs) go. Now let's take a look at some of our more recent sponsored badges. The first one I have here is Once You Go Cask, You Never Go Back from Blue Point Brewing Company. Check into one Blue Point beer between March 21st and April 21st. And you can unlock the Once You Go Cask, You Never Go Back 2018 badge. Blue Point is actually hosting its annual Cask Ale Festival on April 21st when breweries from across the U.S. will bring their best casks to Patchogue, New York, which is just north of Blue Point, apparently, here in New York. I did not know that. Next, we've got
1: Voodoo Ranger Juicy Hayes from New Belgium Brewing. This badge is for checking into one of the new New Belgium Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPAs between March 21st and April 21st. This is their uh, rebrand on the Ranger series that came out quite a while back. They started spinning out a few different variations of it with the Juicy Haze uh, hitting the shelves pretty recently. Uh, this, This new beer is packed with tropical aromas and brilliant citrusy flavors. It is, as you would expect, an unfiltered IPA, and it uh, wraps up with a pleasantly smooth finish. I believe we had one of these
0: when we went back
1: to the North Carolina office.
0: I don't think we did. No, we had the regular. The regular uh, Voodoo Ranger. Ranger.
1: Okay. Yeah. And I have seen this one starting to show up in um, store shelves near me, so have to pick it up and try it out. Yep. All right. Um, Last up here, we have the Oberon release 2018 from Bell's Brewery. Uh, this is their yearly release of Oberon uh, in the springtime. You can earn this badge by checking into, as you guessed it, one Bell's Oberon ale between March 26th and April 2nd. If you did not know, Oberon is a wheat ale fermented with Bell's signature house at ale yeast. Um, it's got a little spicy, fruity thing going on. And again, it's released once a year. Uh, And the idea is to try and get it as fresh as you can because it's delicious.
0: Want to show off your love of untapped? Check out our online store and pick up untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, and more. Go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code podcast at checkout to get 20% off all orders. That's store.untapped.com, coupon code PODCAST to get 20% off. Let's move on to our Style of the Week segment and take a look at this week's featured beer style. Here's Tim with more. This week we're going to take a look at the Brown Ale which is a, a classic beer. It's actually
1: one of the styles that actually got me started into craft beer. really. Uh, granted, I guess Newcastle isn't necessarily considered your standard craft, but it got me away from bigger
0: beer in the states here to something uh, kind of regionally accessible, right? It, it, it exemplifies a particular style from a particular place. And again, it just it led that's what kind of
1: led me into uh, other things like Firestone
0: Walker. Sure.
1: Brewers in London first used the term brown ale in the late 17th century. At this time, it was really kind of used as a broad term to describe porters and stouts rather than its own style as we know it today.
0: More of a color descriptor, less of a style-specific descriptor.
1: It was with the invention of the drum roaster in 1817 that things really started to change. Uh, With the invention of this device, black malts were now more readily available And a distinction was kind of made between those brewed with black malt, uh, which was black beer, and those brewed without, which was brown beer. Kind of like with most of the styles, it seems, that we've talked about recently, uh, in 1850, pale ales had grown in popularity in England. And thanks to their cheaper and more readily available pale malt base, uh, brown ales lost their luster and almost died out at the end of the 18th century.
0: That's really interesting because we talked about stouts not really uh, being... Stout's not really fitting the weather that we have here in in Southern California. You know, if it's warm outside, you don't really want a stout. I wonder if there was some sort of uh, change in the regional consciousness of like, I want something fresh. I want something hoppy. I want something that reminds me of summer. And throughout that whole season, they just kind of forgot that this, you know, roasty, uh, darker beer was something that they enjoyed. They wanted something lighter, more enjoyable. Obviously, you can't speak to how <laughs> yeah, someone in um, 1850. Well, let film. me go.
1: Let me go call someone up really quick. <laughs> I definitely had to do. I'm sure with the the ingredients as part of it. Um, and I mean, as we kind of in our uh, earlier episode when um, we talked about the India Pale Ale, um, India Pale Ales were obviously
0: very popular and very widely available. And cost probably drives everything uh, at that point too. Like if it was more readily available in Cheaper, easier to get, you're going to go for that style for sure. The term brown ale resurfaced in the
1: late 19th century with the production of manned brown ale in England. In 1925, uh, one of the brands that we all tend to know, uh, Newcastle, they came out with their Newcastle
0: brown ale, which set the stage for the uh, future popularity of this style. And it's still, I would say, really popular today, the Newcastle brown, for sure. It's extremely
1: widely available at stores, bars, restaurants... You can see it a lot of places. I mean, I come to think of it, I haven't seen it in many restaurants lately because a lot of the places that I go have shifted more local. Um, yeah. But you can definitely find it in just about
0: any liquor store. One of the main differences of Newcastle Brown especially is that they're stored in clear bottles. Do you know the reason behind that? Do you know why that brown ale is stored in a clear bottle rather than, uh, say, a dark brown or green or anything like that? According to Wikipedia, it was one of the first beers to be
1: distributed in a clear glass bottle. In a quick search here, I can't find any specific reason other than um, being cheaper and easier to recycle. But um, other than that, I don't have any specific reason. Brown ales were actually a rarity in the United States until as we've talked about before, homebrewers adopted the style in the 1980s. Um, Since then, you know, innovation has taken over and now we have many
0: different twists and variations on the brown ale. It's back. (laughs) (laughs) The Goza, see, the thing is, I think there were a lot of people in the 1980s that were just like, I want beer now. And then they just brought all the styles back. Goza, brown ales, IPA, IPA, everything's coming back. Who, who, It just seems like a a strange... What was the cultural reason? What was the economic reason that beer made its resurgence? It's craft beer, especially. I believe
1: it was when homebrewing was more legalized. Legalized. Uh, Interesting. The legality of homebrewing and distributing um, changed in the 80s. Homebrewing was federally legalized in 1978 for the first time since Prohibition made it illegal in
0: 1919. So the innovation... Was coming from home brewers.
1: Yes, and that's where most of today's craft breweries started. That's In incredible. garages okay. in the 80s. If you think about think about your favorite like long-standing craft brewery, um, when were they started? In the 80s. In the
0: 80s, yeah. Let's look at some of the interesting beer articles that we found this week.
1: The first article up here we have is which airlines have the best craft beer. This is coming to us from foodandwine.com. The article starts with good news for beer lovers. Airlines are catching on to the craft brewing boom.
0: I know that when I've been on flights, even when we took our cross-country flight to uh, go visit Untapped HQ over in North Carolina, we were able to get Voodoo Ranger on on the flight, which was kind of surprising, seeing as it was a pretty direct flight straight from L.A., all the way to North Carolina, um, they still had kind of you know they, they had a, a great craft beer. It was a it was surprising. So what 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 is the official list according to Foodandwine.com? So according to the article, the top five here we
1: have is uh, number one we have Delta. Surprisingly, that's what we actually flew on. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're listing here some of the some of the things that they carry are Ballast Point, Sweetwater, uh, Brooklyn Brewery, Sierra Nevada.
0: Wow, Brooklyn Brewery, seriously? That is that is so surprising. I know that th- basically what they're doing is they're popping open cans, giving you a plastic, uh, a plastic cup. That's kind of like what we do here in the studio. <laughs> it's kind of like what we do here, yeah. Uh, giving you a plastic cup and having you just pour that out into there. So it has to be obviously, one, really readily available and something that Delta would invest in putting in their airplanes. Um, and two, easily packed up in a 12-ounce can so it won't break obviously you can't do bottled beer you couldn't do a newcastle you couldn't do there are a lot of factors
1: at stake here to decide what you're going to take but hey it's better than what it could be
0: no beer (laughs) Uh,
1: second on the list here is virgin america uh, being that they are or in this case were based out of san francisco they tend to carry um, different beers from 21st Amendment and Anchor Steam.
0: Another, Again, another canned beer. I think that's that's kind of the theme I'm seeing here. Obviously, they're not going to have taps on the flight. They're not going to... If anyone was going to have taps, it would be Virgin America. I, I did see an article. I
1: have to look it up, and maybe we'll talk about it in another show. Um, I believe it was Heineken had developed a an in-air um little tap keg thing for flight attendants to pour draft Heineken in that the That makes
0: air. S- that makes sense because they did have that uh that draft keg, Heineken draft keg in like 2007.
1: They had to do something special. I remember reading like they had to engineer it to work up in the um sky at pressure. Yes, yeah. exactly. Oh, interesting. Um this this one particularly hurts because Virgin America is pretty much all I would fly when I when I went somewhere um and after their merger with Alaska Airlines They are no more.
0: Well, thank goodness they're number three on the list. They actually carry Alaskan Brewing, Kona, and Pyramid Brewery. So, again, kind of the Pacific Northwest Pyramid out of Berkeley, I believe. Yeah, I think that's a pretty great selection. It's pretty good.
1: Well, now if they combine the two, then they're going to take over number one.
0: Well, what it does do as well is it exemplifies the places, their destinations for the airline, which is pretty great. Alaska, I flew to Alaska and was able to get an Alaskan beer on that flight. Same with Kona, obviously going all the way out to Hawaii. And I mean,
1: as you actually point that out now that I think about it, um, with Sweetwater and Delta. I mean, Delta's main hubs in Atlanta, right? So Sweetwater's based out of Atlanta. So there you go. That makes sense. All right. Um, let's round out the rest here. We've got at number four, we have JetBlue. Um, they were pretty early adopters in the airline game. You know, one of the first to have satellite TV in their planes. Um, they're listing here that they've got some Brooklyn Brewery, Harpoon, Lagunitas. Again, they're I believe they're based mostly out of New York, right? So that would explain some of the like... Regional stuff there.
0: Yeah, there's a few out here on on the west coast, but I've never flown JetBlue, so I don't know what the what their selection is like when when you're actually on a flight.
1: And then rounding out the top five, the last one we have here is Southwest um, with New
0: Belgium and Lagunitas. I usually fly Southwest, so this free
1: free checked bags for the win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And those two are typically my fare when we're going, say, up to San Jose, or you know, you're flying all the way up to Portland.
1: And the whole note of beer airplanes and the sad, sad loss of Virgin America, uh, on our last trip, um, which we discussed in our last episode, going out to Utah, um, we flew Virgin America out of LAX into, um, Las Vegas. And on that flight, like about partway through, we hear him over there saying, you know, we're, we've reached altitude. Our, you know, our crew will be coming through offering complimentary wine and
0: beer. And I was like, wait a second. What? Wow. Yeah, so, so you did, it wasn't an, an expectation when you were on the flight, oh, no. obviously. Okay. No,
1: no, no, no. Huh. They just, they roll the cart through. They got little mini bottles and the free beer was Heineken, which I mean, I won't complain. It was free beer. Were they? <laughs> it was a full, it was a 12 ounce. Okay, so it, it was a full can. Here, it wasn't here like I am a thinking,
0: half. Yeah, here I am thinking that's like those really small soda cans of uh, Coca-Cola yeah. or whatever in the eight ounce <laughs> or, no. or like a small um, V8. You know, one of those real tiny uh, five-ounce V8s, yeah. Yeah, anyway. no, it
1: was it was a full can. The the funny thing is, I, I I don't know if you've taken that flight out to Vegas, but as you can imagine, it's like, I don't know, you're, you're in the air for literally 40, 40 minutes. minutes. Yeah. So, you know, you've got, let's say, 15 of that to get up in the air and another 15 to come down. So what's that leave you with, 10 minutes actually flying? So in that 10 minutes, they come through and give you the beers. And then I think probably like... Six minutes later, they're like, All right, our crew's going to be coming through and collecting everything, whether you've finished it or not.
0: Right, absolutely. And then at that point, you're like, uh, uh, what, do you, what do you do? You, finish? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, I mean, it's free at that point. So you're not really missing out either way. You're only missing out on their great selection of craft beer. All right, next up, we've got an article entitled Eight Tips for Becoming a Better Beer Drinker. It's from winemag.com. And they say anybody can drink beer. Drinking beer smartly, however, is a tougher task. I've got to add to this article, though. I would say, number one, obviously, download untapped. Maybe I'm biased, though.
1: Maybe just a little bit. Just a tiny bit, We should have added that in here.
0: Anyway, so let me me get into the ways that uh, winemag.com says that you can become a better beer drinker. Here are the eight ways. Number one, rinse your glass. Dust, grease, and other residue negatively affects foam. So this is the, obviously, when you're pouring a beer out or getting it from a tap, you see the folks uh, that are working behind the bar wash your glass. Typically, they've got a little spritzer. A little uh, spritzer, little spritzer. Yeah. yeah. They'll wash out whatever was in there initially, try and get rid of some of that, or they'll grab a new glass to try and uh, keep it clean, if you would, and then they'll pour a new beer into it. I try to do this at home as much as possible. I'll either grab a new glass or I'll I'll rinse it out with water. But I do find some of the the soap uh, residue can also, if I take it straight out of the straight out of the dishwasher, it'll negatively impact the the way that the foam is displaced and the way that the head kind of forms on top of the beer. It's really interesting how finicky that whole thing, even the shape of the glass, probably impacts the the way that the the foam actually comes up. Number two on the list is check a beer's date code. I I think it's. Finding better ways to print it. You look at half the cans and either they don't have a date or it's smeared or it's hard to find. Or it's really hard to tell which ones are great for cellaring and which ones aren't. I've started to see a trend in beers that are either darker or barrel aged or even bottle conditioned that say as such and they recommend cellaring on it. I think a a great example of this um, is Bottle Logic's packaging from last year said the year on it, it said great for cellaring and they told you what temperature to store it at. It it was a great way to kind of say, yeah, this is Bottle Logic believes that this is the best way to do it. I don't think it could
1: have been any clearer than Stone's line of either enjoy buy or enjoy after. I,
0: yeah, included in the name of the beer. I think that's a, that is a really great great example. Uh, number three here is buy beer the right way. They say buy cold, nothing bathed in sunlight. So obviously you don't want. Sunstruck beer is that the name of it? Lightstruck beer. Yep, yeah, light uh, strike. C- light strike. Yeah, you can obviously that impacts the flavor of the beer.
1: Depending on the style you're buying, you're gonna want to get it nice and
0: cold. Make sure that you keep it cold, especially for those fresher, hoppier styles. Especially wet hop um, or any styles like that where they're putting in literal wet and fresh ingredients into the beer. You'll want those to be super, super fresh. All right, number four here is embrace subtlety once you've awakened your taste buds, try things that aren't fruity double IPAs. I'm absolutely guilty of this. In my recent trip up to Alaska, I, I felt like I expanded my palate a little bit, tried to find beers that I hadn't had before, obviously not just from breweries I've never seen or heard of, but in styles that didn't typically fit what I would want. I'm. I,
1: we're we're trying to expand upon that on the show here and not just stick to the same exact thing, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: well, and I think the other styles are a little more encompassing, not only of American culture, but of global culture in craft beer. They're brewing all sorts of different styles across the world. So go find one that you enjoy, but also kind of be open to, to other options other than fruity double IPAs.
1: Wah. Wah. <laughs>
0: Number five, don't be afraid to dump a beer. This is rough. I, yeah, I, I struggle with this one, even if I don't like it. So when they say dump a beer, they're talking about, uh, I think what in, in the craft beer drinkers world would be drain pour, right? Mm, You're yes. saying you crack one open either in a bottle or a can, you taste it. And it's not that you don't like it necessarily. It could be that you don't like it. But it could also be that there is an off flavor in the beer, a, a, a brewing mistake or a bottling mistake, a canning mistake, an infected beer. There could be something wrong with the beer itself that you may not be able to identify straight out the gate. But the more you have them, the more you invest in trying to learn more about craft beer, I guess the more discerned your tastes get and, and the least likely you are to just ingest something that doesn't taste great.
1: This is true. I I was at a um I was at a share with a couple of friends um, recently, and they opened up something that was, they were pretty excited about. It. I'd never had before, um this beer that you know it's from a brewery that's pretty well known for having great beer. Um they talked it up, um and were very excited to both to to try it and poured me a little bit and I um I tried it and they were just super into it. I just I couldn't I I don't know I like it. It wasn't bad but it just wasn't something that I wanted to finish. Yeah. So and, that's,
0: that's a great example though. Cause you've got others in that scenario where you can kind of pawn off something you don't like necessarily. Yeah. It's not, not an actual infected beer.
1: But I, And I mean, this probably plays into the um, psychology of things, but like, <laughs> you know, it was this beer and it was, cool and it, it was talked up and everybody else was liking it so I was just like I feel like I need to finish this because it seems like a rarity to get it down here mm. but I eventually after like trying I, I went like two three sips and I was just like okay I, I'm sorry guys but if anybody else wants this Thankfully, these guys are totally cool and great beer drinking friends. So they were just like, "Whatever, I'll take it." So
0: yeah, I'll, I'll typically for this in particular, I'll look through the comments on the beer in Untapped uh, to see what others' experience is with it, and to see if my experience with the beer is either typical for the entire batch, let's say, of the limited release beer, either it, for that that year it was something had gone wrong, potentially. Or if it's really just you know more of a palate thing, or is it something I ate during that day that kind of is affecting my so many my variants? It's hard to figure a out. lot of a lot of different variables can impact obviously the the final flavor of a beer. So interesting. Uh, number six: revisit the classics. It's not just all about cutting edge breweries. I'm also guilty guilty of this for sure. Um, I especially even even for even for the same style or the same brewery. I am the unique beer hunter. I am going to find beers that I have never had before. I'm almost, I'm, I'm like the Captain Picard of beer, you know, boldly go where you've never had a beer before. I want to have the ones that no one else has had. To seek out new hops. Yeah. And new, and new, uh, malt civilizations.
1: New malt strains. Oh
0: uh, gosh. Very good. Very, very good. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely guilty of this as my, as my profile can attest. Do you have a classic beer that that you like a lot, like one that that you know you get at a baseball game or something that that most uh, aficionados have turned their nose up at over time?
1: I would I would have to go with Pacifico.
0: Okay, it's I mean it's been around forever. It's
1: just your basic lager, mm-hmm. but it's it always hits the spot. I would say for me,
0: it's either Racer Five or Sculpin. Oh, Racer Five, Racer Five, definitely. Yeah, Anchor Steam. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I had anchor Steam actually at um, the Giants Stadium in Scottsdale, and it was this completely different experience because you're getting it in a place that isn't San Francisco, hmm. and or in a backyard in San Francisco, or like you don't. It, it, it was a different experience. Speaking of
1: speaking of that, I when I was at the Dodgers game spring training, um, they had Brooklyn Brewery there. Obviously, it used to be the Brooklyn Dodgers, so ah, it makes sense to the tie in there. Very good, but it was it was pretty cool.
0: Wow. <laughs> I never would have expected that, especially because they share a stadium with the White Sox, who, you know, there are plenty of craft breweries in Chicago that they could feature. It's it's an interesting choice to choose, choose Brooklyn, though we did see Brooklyn heavily featured on airlines. So their distribution may be at a point where they're going out to all sorts of places oh, yeah, all that, across the country. That brand's been growing. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Number seven is get to know the brewery better at their tap room. Bars cycle through beers quickly. Obviously, if if you have followed the menu updates of any of our verified venues who are breweries as well, who have a tap room, they'll cycle through those menu changes almost every day. I'll get a menu update from Bottle Logic every couple of days, and it's always exciting to see whether I'm going to go there or not. It's always exciting to see what they have on tap what the latest change to their uh, Berliner Weiss is, what version of recursion they are on. Is it 9.0? Is it 9.1? You know, what? I, I'm always interested to see see the updates um, from a brewery. And I think the idea here is
1: that, basically, if you want to experience more beers and fresher and try the same thing over and over again from a brewery just to, to you know, get the nuances and all that stuff down then get it fresh from the tap room.
0: And it's always great to talk to someone, too, from a brewery who is... Uh, Serving the beer behind the counter um, because sometimes it is the brewer themselves. Sometimes it's the owner of the entire brewery. Sometimes it's someone who had a hand in naming the beer. You know, it can be a a number of different factors, but it's always going to be someone that has ties to the brewery and can always tell you more about the style or can, can help guide you towards something that you never would think that you would like. And number eight, just to wrap everything up here, arm yourself with food pairing basics. This is potentially a number one for me when I'm thinking about how I'm going to have beer, what I'm going to order at a restaurant, what I'm going to do on a Sunday night. It's always the food pairing and beer combination. Cheese and beer or really heavy sliders with a nice uh, pale ale. You wanna make sure you balance things out and hopefully not impact the beer flavor enough to, to where you are taking away from, from the intent of what the beer is supposed to be. Well, kind of along the same vein, we've got another article here from vinepair.com saying, what is the optimal serving temperature for beer? And it's a question. They're posing the question to us. What, what did they say about these different styles?
1: Something we don't always think about is how subtle temperature changes can impact what we're drinking. You know, Very cold temperatures, um, they can impact carbonation, uh, they can re- reduce the aroma, and basically if you get something too cold, you're gonna start numbing your taste buds. I guess same goes for too hot, but I haven't had a boiling beer yet, so I can't say that that's been a problem. The article does point out that the basic rule of thumb is that the higher the alcohol content, the warmer the beer should be served. They do give us a nice little handy list here of uh, helpful temperatures just to kind of give you an idea of where you should range some of your different styles.
0: Now the counterintuitive part of this is that higher alcohol beverages in general can have a lower boiling point, which also means it has a lower freezing point. So you can get those high alcohol beers much, much colder if you put them in a refrigerator or freezer than you would beers that have a higher water content weird right i did not know that yeah funky it's like why that's why you can put a bottle of vodka in the freezer Uh,
1: and it'll never freeze but if you put say a stout up there you're gonna end up with a popsicle
0: yeah it's gonna you'll need to clean all that up uh,
1: an explosive stout slush
0: exactly yeah
1: (laughs) they break the temperatures down to a few ranges so we'll run through this list really quick Uh, 40 degrees and below and we are talking fahrenheit here Um, That's usually reserved for mass marketed, like light beers or just basically your one dimensional standard drinks.
0: I love a really cold, like Bud Light at a baseball stadium that is 35 to 40 degrees and it's, you know, a hundred degrees outside. Ideal.
1: Oh yeah. Something to break down that sun.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: Between forty and forty-five degrees, you're looking at lagers, pilsners, wheat beers, um, dark lagers, uh, anything lighter in profile.
0: I, it sounds like they're anything with a, a pilsner-like malt or a semi-multi backbone. It doesn't sound like it. The hop profile is very high on these beers.
1: Yeah, that would make sense with like fruit beers and wheat beers that are also listed on here. Mm-hmm. When you get into the 45 to 50 degree range, this is where most of our beer should be sitting. uh, You're looking at American pale ales, IPAs, you can put porters and stouts in here. Um, You've got some Belgian ales. um, Cider also can go in this area, as well as um, lambics and Gozas. Moving up to 50 to 55 degrees, we can reserve this area for box, um, English beers like bitters and milds. Um, You've got your brown ale, your saisons, and your doubles.
0: Like your ESBs, basically, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: And then rounding out up here with the uh, fifty-five to sixty, you have stronger beers like imperials, doppelbocks, barley wines. Basically, as we said, you know those those stronger beers. Um, they tend to be served a little bit warmer. And uh, if you haven't seen, um, you sometimes you can see people with like stouts or porters. You know, they cup their glass to try and um kind of warm, warm it up. Warm it up. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I feel like. I know you and I have probably experienced, and I feel like most people listening would have, is you know, you open something heavy and dark like that, you take a drink, and then as you, you know, time goes on and it warms, you can tell a noticeable difference it in really the flavor evolves. profile. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, you you almost surprisingly, you're probably storing most of the beers like that around that temperature too. So between 50 and 55. I know my fridge at home is around 55. I'm I'm storing most of my beers that I'm aging in there but the the worst part is once I take those out and I'm going to serve them, they start warming up to room temperature immediately. So I'm looking for I, I need like a, a laser temperature gun or you know something to help me retain that sixty degree temperature or around there so things don't get too warm i've've I've thought about it. I've really considered getting one of those temperature infrared temperature guns, but um,
1: that's some next level like I know. that's some next level beer party. I've, Shenanigans. I've, I have
0: tried a meat thermometer. doesn't work that great. I, it works, but not then yet. you're putting a meat thermometer in your beer, and nobody wants that. Now it's time to answer some of your questions about Untapped. If you've got any questions for us, send them over using the hashtag #AskUntapped on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Today's question comes to us, from Matt on Twitter wants to know what's the difference between a porter and a stout? So, we just happen to have a stout that we're drinking right now for this show. Uh, we just to reiterate, we've got Mumford Brewing's Rolling Blackout in American Stout, brewed with coffee and vanilla. So, we thought for this question, we would do a side by side comparison of a stout. And a porter. What porter do we have?
1: Uh, It's not going to be the most perfect side-by-side, but it's the best we can do based off of what we have available. So we've also got um, High West Barrel-Aged Victory at Sea from Ballast Point. This is an Imperial porter with coffee, vanilla flavors. It's aged in a High West bourbon and rye barrel. So obviously this is going to be a little different than your basic stout eh, brewed with coffee and vanilla, but again... (laughs) kind of making do with what we have right now
0: so matt we're going to give you a, a side-by-side comparison on a subjective level and then we'll dive into a little bit of more of the technical what makes a stout and a porter a little different i really i really love the way that a stout kind of opens up the more that it it gets a little warm um comes to room temperature but it's it's that in between like straight out of the fridge doesn't always taste super great but this the as you leave it out, it just kind of evolves more and more, and the sweetness comes out, and you get a lot more smokiness and roastiness. I, I just I love I love how it changes. Now immediately <laughs> immediately switching this, over to the porter here, yeah uh,
1: the barrel aged is going to jump out way more than anything, I'm sure. but actually, you know what this may be,
0: this may be a really good way to kind of counterbalance the like oaky and smoky bits from the coffee flavor that we're getting Mm. on this Mumford. This one comes across a lot sweeter. Again,
1: could be with the Imperial aging because as that happens, they tend to sweeten up a little bit, but
0: um, I'm not getting roasty. No, not, not anywhere near as like smoky or um, there's a lot less campfire characteristics to
1: they, they both have coffee and vanilla in them. And I'm getting a lot of, I'm getting a lot more vanilla in the flavor from the Porter a lot less of that roasted part, which I mean, according to the uh, more technical answers would make a lot of sense. So what really are the differences, Tim? Before we get to the full answer, let's go back a little bit here. Porter's first appeared in pubs in England um, as a pretty standard beer. Uh, The stouts were actually born out of the porters um, as breweries began to pick up the style and make them. Uh, And then obviously they, they tried to create porters and then started experimenting and, you know, messing with the recipe as good brewers do. And out of this, the stout was born. Um, basically, a stout is a stouter, stronger version of a porter. Got it. Okay, that that makes sense. What we know about as stouts today was actually popularized by Guinness, as we kind of talked about earlier. Alluded to, yeah. The big thing, though, is that um, the idea was that stouts were going to be stronger, higher in ABV than porters, but now with modern brewing um, styles are getting mixed up lines are being blurred experimentation is happening everywhere and now you know the the difference between the two is kind of hard to really figure out Um, a lot of brewers don't really see much of a difference between the two um, but one of the main differences that they seem to agree upon is the kind of malt that's used to create the beer Uh, porters tend to use the malted barley while stouts use unmalted roasted barley and that's where you get that coffee sort of roasted flavor that that's the only real difference that seems to be agreed upon by brewers. But other than that, I mean, now you're getting stouts stronger than porters, porters stronger than stouts, stouts aged in this porters aged in that it's, you know, everything gets mixed up and tossed around, but for all intents and purposes, it's based off of the malts that are being used.
0: And so the malting process is just it says germinating cereal grains that have been dried in a process known as malting. The grains are made to germinate by soaking in water and then halted from germinating further by drying with hot air. So it's that sort of, it's not necessarily roasting. It's just kind of, you know, activating certain parts of the, the grain in, in a different way than, than actually roasting it.
1: Well, with the stouts, it's the, it is um, unmalted, but they also it's also the roasting of it that brings out that that toasty thing that we all know and love in our stouts. Got it. Kind of what we referred to with the with this rolling blackout, um, that that coffee like campfire-y. The
0: the porter. I'm. I mean, even though yes, you said it's it's barrel aged, it's imperial. It's going to be a lot sweeter than your typical porter would be, but I I get up a, a lot more like baking quality from it it almost tastes like a dessert mm. or like a, a a custard or a pie or something something to that effect where you miss a lot of the you get you get more just straightforward alcohol sweetness uh, from the porter as with the the stout is more kind of on that that it's got kind of a roasty backbone if you would it kind of takes you all the way across those different flavors
1: you're absolutely right it does either way. I would enjoy either one of these on a nice cool day. We'll throw a link into the show notes for this question to an article that has a bit more detail about the differences between stouts and porters for you to check out.
0: Show notes will be available at podcast.untapped.com. If you have any questions or feedback, feel free to
1: connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram with at untapped. We'd love to hear from you.
0: We'd also appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you go to podcast.ontap.com and click on the iTunes link, it'll take you to either iTunes or open up Apple Podcasts on your phone. You can leave a rating or review of the podcast. We'd love to know what you think. And we definitely appreciate the help there. Until next week. Cheers. Cheers.